All right. Microphone. Okay, lessons from the life of, of, of Solomon. Now, one of the first things that uh, I want us to remember is that uh, Solomon wrote a, a great verse over in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4 uh, that is used in so many different situations, used in weddings, uh, used in, in teaching on relationships. And, uh, and here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, you know, the Bible says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And so he's talking about relationships there. But Solomon was a blessed man. He was the tenth son of David. And also the, the, his mother was Bathsheba. He was the third king of Israel. Uh, God used him to write most of the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he wrote a Song of Songs. He was known as the wisest as well as the richest man on the face of the earth. And I just want us to learn some things from his life today because he had an amazing life, but he had some incredible shortcomings. And so this is what I want you to do today. I want you to find a friend, and I want you to help this friend to remember these three things. Number one, God has a plan for every man and for every woman, all right? How you end is more important than how you begin. And thirdly, the battle within is the one you must win. So, let's start with the first one. I want you to tell somebody, just whoever finds somebody, just tell them, tell them this. God has a plan for every man. And if it's a woman, say every woman. Go, tell them again, God has a plan. All right. God, God does have a plan for your life. And the issue is never does God have a plan. The issue is always, will we conform to the plan? God had a plan for Solomon's life, amazing life. Uh, he, he caused Solomon to serve him. And in 1 Chronicles 22, beginning in verse 6, uh, the Bible says that, that David then called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son and I will be his father. I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now Amnon was David's oldest son. And if you look at how things were supposed to work in the family line, he was in line to be king. But he was killed by his brother Absalom 
And God had already told Solomon, uh, told David uh, through through a dream that look, your your next the next king is going to be your tenth son, Solomon. And that's just how God, in His heart, had decided to do it. God had an amazing plan for Solomon's life. He was chosen by God. Uh, God loved him. The Bible says some remarkable things about him, things that, I mean, just, just that are outstanding when you think about how God had his eye on, on, this, on this young man and what God believed that he could do and he could be. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, uh, the Bible says that Bathsheba gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. I mean, God knew who Solomon was just like God knows who you are. And God had a special plan for him just like God has a special plan for your life and for my life. And God loves us in the same way that he loved Solomon. And God changed his name, had a vision for him, and all God asked was that you abide by my word and you will have an amazing life to my glory that will have an impact throughout the world for many generations to come. You know, as you, as you sit here today, I want you to understand in God's eyes, you're special. And that from the day you were conceived, God had a plan for you. He knows everything about you. Every, he knows your personality. He knows your struggles. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your insecurities. He knows your strengths. He knows your uh, capacity. He knows what you can, be, you can be, what you can become, what you can do. And he has a plan for you today. And, and a part of that plan was you becoming a disciple and God being able to work in your life. You know, I think about my own life. You know, I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina. What am I doing in, in New York City? What am I doing in Harlem, New York? I mean, I'm, I'm from a small town in the South. You know, I went to a college in the South. I lived in Florida, and then I ended up in New York. Go figure. How does that happen? Well, I have no business being here, except I believe it was God's plan for me to be here, for me to end up here. And for the, for the last 30-plus years, I've lived in New York. And when I tell people uh, from Florida or even people from New, York, from New York, hey, I moved here from Florida, and they're like, why? Why would you do that when everybody else is trying to go the other way? But all that's happened in my life, I believe it's been God's plan to meet Cynthia. You know, it, you know, at the time that I met her, this was 1975 when I first met Cynthia. I met her at a seminar. I had no idea that she would be my wife one day. I just, that's a great sister, whatever. And, and then years later, you know, God, six years later, you know, we're walking down the aisle. And we, we were from completely two different states. I mean, 500 miles apart. It was all the, the, the will of God. The children that we have, the wonderful girls that we have, the church that I'm a part of. I mean, it's all the plan of God because it was not my plan. And if you're here today, 
God has a plan for you. Right? God has a plan for your life. And as we're trying to help each other, we have to remind one another, especially when we start getting discouraged and we start wondering, do I count or do I make a difference? We've got to remind each other, God has a plan for you. Just like God has a plan for every man. Look here in Second, First uh, Peter chapter two. What does what does Peter say? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of God who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. No, we may not be kings and queens, but God says we are a royal priesthood. That He's raised us up and He's set us. At the right hand of Jesus, God adores us. He has a vision for us. And in his eyes and in his mind, we are the most special of all creation. And he chose you to be a part of his kingdom. And he wants by your actions, by your attitudes, for you to declare his praises throughout the world. Especially in this dark world. When you were baptized, the angels had a party. They rejoiced. And they rejoiced in the fact not only that you were saved, but now you're a part of God's family. You're part of God's plan. And they were rejoicing because they believed that if you would walk according to the will of God, that God was going to do something special in your life. So everybody was having a party when you got baptized. With vision. With hope. You're going to do something awesome to God's glory. I know you were feeling pretty good that day yourself, but there were, the angels were just running around calling out your name. James Warren got baptized today. He got baptized. Shaquan got baptized. Daniqua got baptized. Amen. Something awesome is going to happen. And you can tell this generation by the names. So my generation, Sam, Cynthia, James, Sally, Willie Mae, but now it's a whole nother generation. Shanae now. And all of them, none of them are spelled the same. They're all different spellings. I know one lady named her son Nosmo King. I said, where'd you get that name from? Well, I was in the recovery room. I saw a sign up there. No smoking, Nosmo King. She missed it. Just thought I'd share that with you. So, <laughs> somebody over here got it. But in order for the plan to become a reality... The Lord said, and he gave instructions for the king in Deuteronomy. Come back, come back, come back with me. Come back, come back to me. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, Moses wrote, he said, When you enter the land, Deuteronomy 17 verse 14, your, your God has given you and you have taken possession of it and settled, settled it. And you say, let us set a king over all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you. The king, the Lord your God chooses. 
He must be from among your own brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not a brother Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So God gave directions to the king. And here here's some of the instructions. Don't acquire a great number of horses. Don't take many wives. And don't accumulate large amounts of, of gold. Did Solomon follow these commands? No, he did not. And you got to stick to the plan. See, some of us are like, yeah, I know God has a plan for me, but what's wrong? Where, 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 where is the plan? For every man? Maybe it's every other man because, or every other woman, but not me. No, the, the plan will not work if you don't obey the word of God. It won't, it won't happen if you step outside of the will of God. If the Bible doesn't continue to remain your standard, not just some of the week, not just some days, not just some years, but it's got to be that way every year. It won't work if you're not following the scriptures. I know we talk about this thing of reading your Bible every day, but why don't we do it then? Because that's the blueprint. It, it, the, the, it won't happen if you don't obey God. And so as long as Solomon was in step with the will of God, you can expect the blessings. But if your life is all messed up, it's your own fault a lot of times because you refuse to obey. I don't know of anybody's life who's not working out the way God destined who is in conformity to his will and following his word, whether they feel like it or not. You've got to hold to the scriptures. The plan is for us to live lives that exalt God. The plan is for us to live by the word of God. The plan is for us to obey the scriptures and to put our trust in God. Because not only does God have a plan for you, but Satan has a plan for you. And his plan is for you to rebel against the word of God. And for you to doubt God and for you to think that your way is better than God's way. And God's way, guys, it works. It works. You know, my wife just celebrated her 44th year as a disciple. 44 years. She's been reading her Bible every day for 44 years. No wonder God's blessed her. I mean, she's been praying to God for, you know, someone that keeps asking you for things for 44 years. After a while, you're going to say, okay. God blesses her. What about you? How consistent are you in obedience to the word of God? Just don't sit here and act religious and play church and act like a disciple. What are you like in private? Are you getting up every morning, opening your Bible, crying out to God, walking according to the plan that God has for your life? No wonder there's no joy. Because you're not obeying. But when you're obeying, there's joy in your heart. There's anticipation. But you've got to stick to the plan. Point number two. got to go. i got to move on. Spend too much on that. Tell a friend. Remember, we're talking about loving your neighbor. Tell somebody, tell a friend how you end is more important than how you begin. Tell them. 
Okay. All right. Did you get that? How you end is more important than how you be. How did you start as a Christian? How did you start? Most of us, we started off on fire, didn't we? Man, we were ready to save the whole world. We were walking on water. Now, we were talking about, did I have a quiet time? What? I was late for work because I could not stop reading my Bible. Did I share my, what do you mean did I share my faith? What you talking about? Man, I reached out to more people. People, I was reaching out to strangers. Dangerous looking people. In the name of Jesus. Inviting anything that moved. Because I was so fired up in the Lord. Walking, miss church? Come on, I wouldn't dare miss church. You crazy? If the doors were open, I was there. Not only was I there, I was on time. Early sometimes. Because I was so fired up in Jesus. How are you doing now? Huh? How are you doing now? Solomon had a great start. A lot of us had a great. But the issue is not how you start. It's how you end. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. But you know what's most important? I finished the race. Would you like for God to just tap you on the shoulder and go, ask me for whatever you want? What would you ask for? Oh, be honest. I would ask for more spiritual insight. I would ask for a deeper knowledge of the book of Revelation. Uh, who was rich? <laughs> I mean, what, what would you ask for? And <laughs> we don't even want to answer that, do we? We don't even want to answer that because all of us, as much spiritual as we want to be, we might just kind of step away from it there for a minute. But you know what Solomon asked for? He said, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between white and wrong. He says, God, give me wisdom that I can lead these people because I don't know how to lead these people. But if you, if you would just help me, teach me, show me how to lead these people, that will be enough. That's all I want. And then the Lord said to him, because, because you asked for wisdom, because you asked for insight, he said, I'm going to give you even more. And this is what the Bible says. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So the Lord said to him, since you've not asked for this, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. 
And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will also give you a long life. Man, God blew him away, didn't he? Is God amazing or what? And so God did it. He gave Solomon wisdom. And the Bible says God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. I mean, this guy was so deep. He was so insightful. People came from all over the world just to sit at his feet and just to learn from him. I mean, he wrote amazing songs. He wrote all these great proverbs. God blessed him amazingly. And with all that, the Bible shows us that wisdom is not the same as being smart. That you can have wisdom and still do some stupid stuff. Having biblical knowledge doesn't make you spiritual. Knowing the books of the Bible, all 66 of them, being able to quote them does not make you spiritual. I mean, spirituality is trusting God, listening to God, obeying God, doing the will of God. Man, Solomon was... God blessed him so much, he built a great temple for the Lord. And after he built that temple, God came back to him again, appeared to him again. But this time God said, if you and your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for your name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. You see, there are conditions to the promises of God, right? And the condition is obedience. God wants to bless us, but sometimes we want the blessing, but we still don't want to be obedient. And the two have to go hand in hand. So God made it clear to Solomon that, look, look, I I have blessed you. I will bless you. I will give you riches. I will give you wisdom. I will help you overcome your enemies. And I will give you a long life if you obey my word. And you know, the Christian life is a great life. And God promises us a hundred times as much. He promises peace that surpasses understanding. He promises that we'll have, that our lives can be full of joy, that we can give joy in in all circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances, that he will overwhelm us with blessing, that he will watch out for us and take care of us if we live according to his word. I've seen some miserable Christians in the church asking themselves, what's wrong? Why why am I not being blessed? Are you obeying God? Is the Bible still your standard? Are you still in love with God? Are you still obeying the first and the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? God had a plan for you. How are you doing after five years as a Christian? Ten years as a Christian? You know, I get to look at all the, the stats and how we're doing as a church. 
And I tell you, there's some scary statistics out there. The divorce rate is scary. That half the people that get married get divorced. And then those people get divorced again. Your chances, percentages go up the second marriage. And then you talk about people trying to get out of college. About half the people finish college after six years. About half. And that's no matter what kind of money they're getting from the government. It's hard to finish. It's easy to start. Hard to, am I right? It's hard to finish. And then with the kingdom, your chances of staying faithful are about 50-50. You got a 50% chance of making it. You got a 100% chance of making it if you stay in the word and obey God. You can make it. But there are people sitting here today who may not make it through the end of the year. You started off great. I mean, I've seen people be Christians 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and walk away from God. And you just want to, what? What happened? I'll tell you what happened, and we're going to talk about it here in just a minute. They stopped. Loving God. They stop being in the word and obey. And and I'm not just talking about just reading scripture. I'm talking about putting it in your heart. Living by it. That is sweeter than honey to the taste. That God's word. That that you, you, you love it. You feast on it. And it's a, a lamp unto your path, a light unto your feet that you, you're in it. And see, this is what God called Solomon to do. But over time, he drifted away from that. And he started off great, church. But the end of the story is just tragic. So let's finish our last point. Last point. Tell a neighbor, tell a friend, that the battle within is the one you must win. Tell them. Now, tell them like you mean it. Let me tell you what. The hardest battle to win is the one within. Solomon was amazing. He had wisdom beyond any man. He, you read the book of Proverbs. Is it not a great book? I mean, I love the book of Proverbs. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I wish I could memorize all those sayings and the wisdom and, and on every subject that you can imagine. Incredible. I mean, you look at this and you go, who wrote this? The Holy Spirit? I mean, surely whoever wrote this is going to have a front row in heaven. Right? Good stuff. The book of Ecclesiastes, what an amazing book. And so here you've got this guy. He is on top of the world. He's got everything. And 
yet there's one thing he could not conquer. And that was himself. Solomon overcame everything except Solomon. And in the church, you know what your, your, your greatest enemy, your greatest battle, your greatest obstacle to overcome? Oh, it's not the church leadership. Uh-uh, not me. It is not me. It's not even the devil. Because the Bible says if you flee from him, right? You resist him, what? He'll flee. All right, so we, we, can tell, we know how to resist people. You, you, you know, just get behind me. Leave me alone, right? And it, it's not your, your spouse. That's not your cross to bear. No, it's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your children. It's not the little gremlins that you brought into this world. It's not it. It's it's not. It's not your Bible talk leader or your roommate. You know that the thing that keeps getting in your way is you. And Solomon did not overcome Solomon. I tell you, if we could, you know, if we could just make ourselves do what we know is right, we would, this ministry would change overnight. If you could just say, you know what? Self, you are get in line. And my emotions and my feelings are no longer going to control me. The word of God's going to control me. My body's not going to control me. My mind's not going to control me. The Lord's going to control me. And so tomorrow morning when I tell my body, get up, it's going to get up. When I say open the Bible, it's going to open the Bible. When I say pray, it's going to pray. When I say reach out and encourage another person, it's going to do it. But you know what the problem is? There's another part of you saying, I don't want to do that. And too often we let that part rule us instead of letting the Spirit of God rule us. You've got to decide that I'm going to win the battle within. I'm going to come overcome this. I'm in charge here by the power of God. Now look at Solomon here. The Bible says he had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women. And you wonder why you can't find one girl? (laughs) This is ridiculous. Somebody said that's too much. I mean, it's like, look. I've been married 36 years. I'll be honest with you. It's hard to handle one woman. One. (laughs) I tell you, I have met my match. Marriage has humbled me. I listen to James talking about all his struggles starting on his honeymoon. Okay. I mean, it's like, all right. But, you know, it does get better. It's a good thing. I encourage it. But I, I, I wouldn't want to try to handle two Cynthia's. Oh, just kill me. Just, just kill me. But a, a, a thousand? Seven hundred? I mean, you've had seven hundred weddings? <laughs> seven hundred weddings. He could afford it. <laughs> anyway, 300 concubines. Those are sex slaves. And his wives did what, church? 
They led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had done. What went wrong? I'm going to leave you with this because I want you to understand it. What went wrong is Solomon's attitude changed. His attitude changed. See, when you first become a Christian, your attitude toward God is, there's nothing better in my life than a relationship with God. Your attitude toward the church is, praise God for this church. You don't even see the faults in the church when you first come. Are you, man, this is awesome. These people love Jesus. I mean, they sit next to each other. They don't run out when the service is over. People say hi. I mean, they call you up during the week. This is great. Then attitude starts changing. Man, I wish those people stopped bothering me, trying to get all in my business. Talking about confess your sins. You better leave me alone. Asking me about my contribution ain't none of your business. Talking about a family group. Better got my own group. Me, myself, and I. That's all I need. All up in my stuff. Don't even want to. I'm just going to show up, sit. I'm going to just stay out in the foyer and just leave before I even get here. I mean, it's like you're. It's, it's, we didn't change. We're the same. It's your attitude that changed. Look, look at what God said. I've I got to wrap this up. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and will give it to one of your subordinates. Let me tell you, it's all about your attitude. If you keep your attitude the way it needs to be, you will do great. And you need one another relationships because you need help with your attitude. You got to call up your good sister. She's got a bad attitude. And you got to say, girl, stop it. Change your attitude. Get grateful. Remember when you were grateful to be saved? Get grateful again. Stop complaining. Stop being critical. And get grateful because you don't deserve to be saved. You don't deserve to be in this church. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Why has your attitude changed? What's your attitude today? I'm thankful to be here today. And no matter, and the more God blesses me, the more grateful I am. God blessed Solomon. God blew him away. And God says, you know what, Solomon, what happened? Your attitude toward me, it used to be, Lord, show me. Show me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Lord, Guide me. Help me. Teach me. What's your attitude? Discipleship. Oh, somebody wants to get with me and help me. Great. When can we get together, please? 
attitude. When you got married, you thought your wife was the queen of Sheba. Oh, Lord, I could, this woman, she's so beautiful. Oh, and the things you said on your wedding days, you were awesome. You will always laugh. You will never cry, and I will take you through the promised land. Just, just follow my leadership. What happened to your attitude? Man, I don't even want to go home. I don't want to go home with a woman complaining. Oh, what happened to her? What happened to you? What happened? Your attitude changed. Repent. Get your attitude back the way it needs to be. Am I right, church? Turn your attitude around. Because that's, that's the only thing you can control. You can't control other people. So, as we talk about, the battle within is the one you must win. Tomorrow can be a great day for you if you decide my attitude is going to change. You unhappy? Get happy. Change your attitude. Start counting your blessings instead of counting your testings. Start praising God for all the good he's done for your life. Turn your ingratitude to gratitude. There's always something to be thankful for. So my wife and what she should be. At least you got one. There's some people wishing they had somebody. Well, my husband ain't what it used to be. At least you got one. Well, my health ain't what it, what it needs to be. At least you're still alive. Right? Man, they don't pay me on my job when I'm worth. At least you got a job. Right? You, you, you just got to change your attitude, church. And God can bless that because if you don't, Satan will take you out. And here's the conclusion of the matter. This is what Solomon said. I got to wrap this up. Sit down. Oh, man. He said, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Here it is. This is it. Fear God and do what, church? Everybody say it now. Fear God and do what? Do what? Tell your neighbor. Tell him again. If you do that, he said, this is the whole duty of man. God will bring into judgment every deed, including every hidden thing. Man, today can be a new start for you and for me. If we'll learn the lessons, please be my brother's keeper. Please love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. And challenge me and call me and inspire me to put this stuff into practice to learn the lessons I need to learn from King Solomon. And if we do that, God will be glorified and will help the world to be one. God bless you.